0: Now, we have dealt with quite a number of teachings on the subject of maturity. And the last one we dealt with was the developmental stages in spiritual maturity. And we learned about five stages of spiritual maturity. We learned about the Nepeo stage, the Paidon stage. We learned about the Technon The heels and the telios, and we realize that at every point in time, a believer is in one of these stages. And this teaching has become very essential because spiritual maturity is a necessity for the believer, and it's also important because it's not instantaneous. Growth is not instantaneous. Intentional, and so we need to come to the place of appreciating that without understanding the essence of growth and putting in the effort, we will not see growth. Growth is not a spiritual gift. It is achieved as a result of discipline. So you can be born again, which is a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. But to grow requires effort from the one that has received this free gift. Hallelujah. And a lot of people have not taken time to discipline themselves towards growth, particularly because many people have not understood the essence of growth, number one. And then number two, have not been led towards the disciplines that lead to growth. So it's either you're an epios, a pydon, a, a Technon, or a Heos. But you hardly find believers in the telios stage. Which is the stage of full maturity. But I believe that after this teaching. God is going to move you from the nepios stage. Into a teleos stage. Where you are operating in the fullness of the purpose of God. For your life. Hallelujah. Now. Let's go straight to today's teaching. Today I'm going to focus on. Steps to maturity, steps to maturity. The big question is, we have come to appreciate that growth is inevitable. It's very important. Spiritual growth is very essential. But the big question is, how do you grow? What are the steps? What are the, um, the processes that leads to growth? Because being born again does not automatically lead to growth. And going to church is not a process by which you grow. Growth in the spirit is technical. And it's stage by stage. And so by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I've put together four stages or four steps that can help you to grow. And if you follow these four steps, you will see how your life will be moving from one level to another. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4 verse one to two our anchor scripture this is our anchor scripture for the growth series and i want to remind you again whatever we are doing here i want you to write notes to take note, to take it very seriously and open up your spirit pastor dennis read it for us what i am saying is that as long as an heir is under age he is no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Amen. Okay, so this scripture is what actually necessitated this conversation. When the Lord opened my eye to this verse, I got very concerned because the Bible says that the heir, as long as he is a child or underage, is no different from a slave. And what it basically means is that if you are a Christian, And you are a child. There is no difference between you and a slave. And the Bible says in verses 2 of Galatians chapter 4. It says the heir is subject to guardians and trustees. Until the time set by his father. So I realize that this is a very serious issue. In the sense that the heavens consider you as a slave. Though you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Using to grow leaves you at a stage where you are not different from a slave. And so you cannot attain much in the kingdom of God. You cannot anchor and host the inheritance of God through Christ Jesus for your life. It also means that you'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The Bible calls them elemental forces. So, Basically, you cannot do much. You just exist. You can't make an impact. But when you grow, you become a son. And when you become a son, you can do whatever God has ordained for you to do. That's why growth is non-negotiable in the life of the believer. Because I don't want to be a slave. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a slave. This freedom in Christ is so great. That whatever... Christ has determined for me, I must lay my hand on it. And I pray that you would also lay your hand on it in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, everything that has life is expected to grow. Everything that has life is expected to grow. Now, if something has life and it is not growing, there's a problem with the thing. That's how life is designed. And we have received the life of God. What we receive at salvation is life. And this life must grow. But like I said, it will not grow because you have received it. It will grow because you have taken steps to make it grow. This is the secret of our Christian faith. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 25, verse 27 to 20. This is what the Lord opened my eye to today. Genesis 25, 26 to 28. Read it for us, Pastor. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the scripture that talks about Jacob and Esau. All right. Now, the Bible says that, When the boys grew up, remember when Rebecca took seed and was expecting, she went to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord told her, you have two nations within you. Two nations. Now, by that description, Rebecca knew that she was carrying great destinies within her. But the Bible says the boys grew up. The boys grew up. That means whatever promise that was on the life of those two boys could not manifest. Though God has said it until the point of growth. So though they were great nations, they were called boys. Because the value of your life is found in your maturity. Every life that is given to you, its value is in the maturity of that life. So life is like a seed. Until it matures, you will never think that it actually carries a tree. So the Bible says the boys grew up. Growing up was necessary for the manifestation of the promise of God concerning their life. That's how it is in the realm of the spirit. The boys grew up. Look at this. Esau was a skillful hunter. It means that in maturity, that's where there's differentiation. While they were children, they called them boys together. But when they grew up, the Bible says Esau. So that's maturity is a point of differentiation. It says Esau was a skillful hunter. A man. You see the word? Not a boy. A man of the field. Skillful hunter. It also means that in maturity, skill is developed. Destiny is developed. Skill is developed. So whatever was in the boys was made manifest at the point of growth. So while they were boys, you could not determine what Esau carried. The mystery of your born-again experience is this. So far as you remain a child, we will never know what God has programmed you to become. Maturity is the point of differentiation. So the Bible says he was a skillful hunter. It was growth that brought that dimension of Esau into manifestation. That means that if they had refused to grow, the world would only have had boys. But because they grew, the world was blessed with a skillful hunter. And the Bible says a man of the field, a man of the field. And he goes on to say, while Jacob, point of differentiation, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. So whatever we are supposed to be, will be seen when we mature. Some of you listening to me, your destiny is so great. It cannot be seen because you are at a stage called nepios. That's. Programming that God put in your spirit can never be made manifest unless you put away childishness and begin to embark on a journey of maturity. Then the world will see who you actually are. And then you would actually also be fulfilled about what God made you to be. Growth is inevitable. Then the Bible says Isaac loved Esau. Look at that. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. So, Isaac's love for Esau was not professed when he was a boy. But was only professed when he had matured. It is because Isaac was benefiting from the maturity of Esau. You know, sometimes when you give birth to children, they take all your time. They take all your attention. They take all your resources. You lose all the time. And that's how God feels with us. He's always losing to us until you get to a point where because of maturity, you take responsibility for God. And then you begin to end a dimension of the love of God. So the Bible says, Isaac, the father of Esau, loved Esau because. Because. So love has a because. That's why the love of God for Jesus Christ is very high. Why? Because Jesus was his only begotten son. And he sent him. And Jesus obeyed. So maturity brings you to the place of responsibility, value, the place of love. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. We are talking about the father's love here. Isaac did not love Jacob because there was nothing that Jacob could offer Isaac. Jacob was not very mature, though God loved him. I'll show you something. It took Jacob a very long time to manifest the promise of God. Listen to me. God loved Jacob, but Jacob was not manifesting the destiny he carried until he got to the point where he matured. Remember, it was Jacob that asked the angel. He said, if you don't bless me, I'll not let you go. That's the point of maturity. All right. I don't want to go there. But what I want you to focus on is that the love of God is so special in another dimension. When you take upon yourself responsibility. When you read Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 20. It talks about the great commission. And the Bible says, and when you go out there and make disciples of all nations. I will be with you till the end of the age. Why? Because you've taken up responsibility. Through maturity. So Isaac loved Esau. Wow. You see there's a place in trust. Where you end, You attract the love of God in another dimension. Because of responsibility. But Rebecca loved Jacob. It means that Jacob needed guidance. You remember that. Even before Jacob could attract the blessing. Or steal the blessing from his father. He needed guidance from Rebecca. Why? Jacob was not matured. And the lack of maturity denied him the blessing that could have come to him. Esau was very matured. So when you read the scripture, you realize that Isaac used to have conversations with Esau. He used to talk with him, he used to share his heart with him, he used to pour his heart, he used to tell him what he wants. At the point of maturity, God can speak to you. God can pour his heart to you. God can tell you his bedding, his heart cry. That's the place of trust. God entrusts the bedding of souls into your heart because you are mature. Isaac loved Esau. I pray that you mature to attract a dimension of the love of God. Now, Jesus was the savior of the world, but he could not save the world at the age of 5. Not at the age of 50. Not even at the age of 25. He started his ministry at 30. That's maturity. And he died at 33. And his death brought salvation to the world. So, maturity is the point. Where God's promise concerning your life. It's made manifest. So when you fail to mature, you will not see God's promise concerning your life. So what are the steps that will lead to your maturity? Now, I talked about the first step the last time. So I'm going to go forward to talk about the rest. But let me just give you a recap. The first step to maturity is to have a desire to grow. Write it down. To have a desire to grow. All maturity starts with a desire. Just as all learning starts with humility. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Read it for us, Pastor. 1 Peter 2, 2. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Listen to this. The Bible says, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Write this down. No one can force growth. You cannot force growth. Growth is not something that you can attain by forcing it. There's a systematic way. Spelled out in the word of God. Upon which growth is attained. And it starts with desire. All growth starts with desire. When you read Matthew chapter 5 and 6. It says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. It means that without a desire to grow, you cannot grow. Now look at this. We are plagued in this world with many desires. Where you focus your desire is what satisfies that desire. For example, there are some Christians whose desire is to be rich. Their desire is to have a car. Their desire is to have a house. These things are not bad. But this is what it is. The desire to grow spiritually automatically is going to acquire these things for you. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, refusing to have a desire for spiritual growth and pursuing a desire for material things, is like exchanging your birthright for a muscle of food. That's exactly what it is. And that can Christians understand. They are always in the place of desiring material things at the expense of spiritual things. Having a car is not anything. Do you know that a very successful man can wheel a car to a child? So it's not the quest of our faith. There are greater dimensions of inheritance. Where God gives you access to dominate the earth. That's why spiritual maturity is a high level. It's something so great. It says desire the pure milk of the word." Our greatest desire should be to grow. Listen to me. As you are listening to me right now. There should be a stirring in your heart. You should ask yourself. Where am I in this growth chart? Am I in a peers? Am I Pideon? Am I Technon? Am I Hios? Or am I Telios? Or all I want is a marriage. All I want is a child. Listen to me. Anyone can have a child. Anyone can have a marriage. In fact, I said it. You don't need Christianity to have a. Listen, if you became born again so that you find a husband, please go back. Go back. There are many Muslims with better husbands. There are many unbelievers with better husbands. I'm telling you the gospel fact. There's a greater demand and expectation on you. God wants you to mature, to be like him. That's your ultimate goal as a Christian. Don't exchange this for a piece of bread. He says, all other things shall be added unto you. Do you realize that Adam did not look for a wife? Read the Bible. Let me help you to understand this. Adam was never a boy. Adam was created as a matured being. God could talk to Adam because Adam was matured. Adam was made in a matured form. And God made it so because the life of Adam is to give us a picture of our own future. The provision that God has made in store for man. So it helps you to understand that when you mature, Adam was a matured being. When you mature, you have an Eden. When you mature, you have an Eden. And you have responsibility to keep the Eden. God willed the whole earth to a mature being. So Adam was mature. And that's how it is. There are certain things God will never give you unless you are mature. No matter how much you pray for it. I've already explained this phenomenon. If you are a child and you cry so loud that your father should give you his four by four. He will never give it to you. Not because he doesn't love you. You are not mature. Certain rights are taken away from you. So, refusing to grow is detrimental. And aligning your passions and desires is very important as a child of God. At this stage of your Christianity, what you need is not a car. What you need is spiritual maturity. What you need is not Twins. Because you have stayed as a child for far too long. And you have been denied many blessings for far too long. When you mature, you don't have to ask for it. When you mature, God supplies it to you. So, that's all. You just need to develop. And it starts with desire. So, once you shift and adjust your desire, you start growing. Growth starts with desire. If your desire is a woman... You'll be filled with lust if you're a young man. Listen to this. He says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. So what you desire is what you are filled with. If your desires are in the flesh, you'll be filled in the flesh. If your desires is for food, your body would grow. But if your desire is for the spirit, you'll be filled with the spirit. Where is your desire, child of God? For the past four years, five years, ten years of your Christianity, when you wake up in the morning, what is number one on your prayer list? If it's a thing, then God, you see that over the years, have satisfied some of your needs. But that has not translated into spiritual growth. You are still at a lower lead. At a lower stage. And you are still exposed to fundamental forces. That's why your whole life is just not stable. Because your priorities are not set right. But I pray that after this teaching. God will give you an appetite for spiritual growth. I mean at a point in my life. I told God that I don't want anything. I want him. I want to know him. I want to grow in him. I want him to satisfy me. I want to hear his voice. I'm tired of this Christianity where I just go to church. It's like you just go to church, you close, you come back. That's not life. God's ultimate aim is for you to have a relationship with him. Where early in the morning you wake up and you can hear sounds in heaven. When you can actually feel the heartbeat of God. That's it. It's called koinonia. It's in that place of trust. That God pours his heart to you. is beautiful. A desire for righteousness. I want you to adjust your desires. If your desire has been for so many things. To be satisfied with things. Material things and so on and so You cannot be filled with the spirit. You cannot, be, you cannot grow. You will only grow in the things that you have desire for. And if it's material, you'll be satisfied with the material.